But I want to talk to you today about hearing God's voice. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to talk to you today about hearing God's voice and why it's so important to know his voice. You know, sometimes my wife thinks I'm crazy when I say things like, God said. You know, just like, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you hear that and you're like, okay, was it really God? Was it really him? And we get to that point where we have to ask ourselves, do we really know God's voice? And I think it's so important that we talk about the simple things as well as the complicated things. A few years ago, several years ago, actually, we had a prayer meeting here, and, and it was a week-long prayer meeting, and one of the ladies asked me, she said, Pastor, would you pray for my hearing? I said, yes, I will. So I just began to pray for her, pray that the doctors would give wisdom and to know um, how to treat her, that he would bring physical healing. She came back the next day and she says, Pastor, would you pray for my hearing? I said, no problem. So I'm thinking, man, I got to have stronger faith. So I started, you know, because if you ever want to display stronger faith, you just got to say it louder. So I really started getting into it, you know, Lord, heal this woman, you know, and, and, you know, touch her ears and all this. And she came back the next day and the next day. And finally, on the last day, she says, Pastor, would you pray for my hearing? I said, absolutely. I said, God. And by this time, I'm yelling. I'm thinking she's going to need help after I'm yelling so loud. And I'm just going at it. And she says, thanks, Pastor. She says, the judge will make his decision on Tuesday when I go fight my court case. I'm like, oh, good job, you know. <laughs> you know sometimes, sometimes we hear things and we don't really put two and two together. And, uh, and that was uh, pretty embarrassing. But, uh, but she, hears, she hears well, so the prayers weren't in vain. Um, but how do you know that God speaks to you? How do you know that God speaks to you? Uh, back in 2013, I was on an extended fast. Um, this was about a year after we, uh, I quit my job, and, and God was really stretching me and trying to hear his voice. So in 2013, I just said, I'm going to fast and pray. And, um, and I was going to fast for seven days. And I was on day five, and at that time, Cheryl and the kids went off to see Grandma and Grandpa. So I'm by myself at my home on day five. And and I didn't even want to go near the kitchen. I had all my water, you know, because I just didn't want any of that temptation. And, and I'm there by myself. It's a Saturday night. I'm on day five, just two more days. I'm doing this to the Lord because I really needed a breakthrough. And all of a sudden, I heard the voice of the Lord say, Pete, rise up and eat. And I said, no, this can't be God. This is not God. I've made a commitment, God. I made a commitment to you that I am going to fast for seven days, and I, I mean it with the bottom of my heart. And I said, so no, I will not eat. And once again, that voice came back. Pete, go eat. And I struggled with this. I struggled with this. And finally, after several hours, I said, fine. If this is you, Lord, I don't understand why you're asking me to break a fast, a commitment that I made to you. So I did. I ate. And, um, and just a few minutes later, after I got done eating, my wife calls me. How you doing, Pete? I know you must be hungry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just, I'm so proud of you, Pete. So proud of you. The commitment you made to God. And Man, I'm just proud of you. Uh-huh. She says, all right, well, I'll see you. I'll see you tomorrow. And because they were going to meet. We were going to meet at a church on Sunday night. 
And I said, okay. Talk about feeling like the biggest jerk in the whole world, you know. It's like, you know, I knew that it wasn't God. It was me. I was hungry, you know. And, and so I sat there, and I felt guilty. I felt guilty after that. I felt ashamed. And I'm thinking, God, why? I thought I heard your voice. So the next day at church, you know, I have church, and, and I'm just here by myself, and, and the people are here. And, and uh, we happen to be surprised by a couple that came from out of town, old friends that came in, and... Um, and it was, it was nice to see them. And they said, hey, Pete, why don't you join us for lunch? And we're going to go over to Blue Earth. And, and why don't you join us for lunch? And I said, okay. So on my way there, I'm thinking, okay, God, this is why you told me to break my fast, so that I could eat with friends that surprised us. Okay, that all makes sense. And, um, and I said, I'll, I'll join you, but I have to leave at a certain time because we're, I'm supposed to meet my family at this church service up in St. Peter. Oh, yeah, well, that's no problem. So I go over to Blue Earth, and I'm enjoying lunch. And believe me, you know, I'm really enjoying it. I'm hungry, and, you know, and it's just so great to eat food. And, and, I, and I thought, this is why God told me to break my fast. So... So I had to leave, and, and I was running to the point where I needed to leave. And, and if you know me, I don't like to, I don't like to be late. I just, I just, if you arrive on time, you're late, you know. And so my, my kids haven't figured that out yet. But if you arrive on time, you're late. So I, I said, thanks. This is great catching up with you guys, but I got to leave. I got to take off. I got to go. And so I'm leaving Blue Earth. And wouldn't you know that I got lost in Blue Earth? I literally got lost. How do you get lost in a small town? I mean, I was going back roads. I couldn't find out. This was before the GPS thing, you know? And I'm like, how in the world? And there was detours, and they were doing construction. And I am literally lost in Blue Earth. And I was like, I almost got to the point where I had to ask someone for directions, but my pride wasn't there yet. You know, I was just, I just, I couldn't believe it. I got lost, and I knew I was going to be late. And so I ended up being late. I ended up being about 10 minutes behind schedule. And now I'm frustrated, and I'm heading off to St. Peter trying to get there. I'm 10 minutes behind schedule, and I'm just frustrated. So then as I'm going, I have these packages that need to be delivered to a UPS box. And, but I know that I can't take care of those things. I'll take care of those things after. So as I'm going to St. Peter, and I'm, I'm coming up to Mankato, the Lord tells me, I want you to deliver these boxes right now. And I said, God, I'm 10 minutes late. I said, I'm behind schedule. I got to get to that. I can do it on the way back. And as I'm getting closer to Mankato, the Lord says, I need you to deliver these boxes. <sighs> okay. So I pull off. And, and, and if you know me, I don't like to stop. I don't like to stop if I'm, I'm behind schedule. And so I pulled off and, and they had a, a drop box over there by the old happy chef on 169. And and so I pull off and I get out these boxes and I'm delivering this. And I don't understand why God would want me to deliver these boxes knowing that I'm late to a service. Now, I remind you, this is a year after, a year after we quit our job and I didn't have any cash in my pocket. I literally had zero cash in my pocket. So I pull off and I deliver these boxes. And as I deliver these boxes, this woman who used to attend our church comes out. She says, Pastor Pete? I said, hey, how you doing? So good to see you. And she begins to explain why she can't attend church because of the issues that she's having at home. And she explains it's a horrible situation. And I'm thinking in my mind, Lord, maybe you asked me to break my fast so I can go out to eat with friends, get lost in blue earth, and be late 
and deliver these packages so I can minister to this woman who needs help. And I just began to speak life into her, just began to speak God into her. And she just was crying. It was such a beautiful moment. I said, Lord, if this was the only reason why, it was worth it. And so I prayed with her, and we're, you know, right out there by a UPS drop box, and I prayed with her, and I said, I, I'll see you later. I said, I, I really got to get going, and uh, it's part of the service. I'm late. I got to get going. And she says, before you go, I want to give you something. I got to give you something. So she's digging through her purse. I said, you don't have to give me anything. Just, I got to go. She says, no, I have to. I have to. And so she gives me $10. She gives me $10, and I said, oh, thank you so much. She gives me two fives. So I go off to St. Peter and I sneak in and I'm late and I do my part because it hasn't come yet. And there I am in the service. But that's okay because my family's even later. They showed up after service. I was there before service. So, so I'm there in service and, and I was talking to my friend and, and he's the pastor there. And he says, um, Pete, can I tell you a little? Because I was waiting for my family. So after service, him and I were just talking. He said, can I... Can I um, can I tell you something I got on my heart? I said, yeah. And he just begins to tell me this vision that he had and, um, and how he wants to create this school. So I said, that's pretty cool. I, that's, that's exciting. Now, she gave me two fives, but I put $5 in the offering. And I was just so happy that when the plate came by, I mean, I held that $5. I was like, yeah, check it out. You know, I'm just excited. I could give. You know, I was excited about giving that. And I had $5 in my wallet. And as he's talking about his vision, I just felt in my heart like, I want to be behind this. So I opened up my wallet. I pulled out $5, the last $5 I had. And I said, I want to be the first to invest in your vision. I said, would you take that? He goes, oh, man, that's awesome. Thanks. You know, and he's all excited. So I said, hey, I'm going to go wait outside. I'm going to wait for my family. They should be coming any day. And so I go outside and I'm waiting there. And he comes and knocks on my window and he says Pete he goes why don't you come inside for a second and I said okay and so I come in he says I want to show you what we just got here we just got this brand new pantry and he opens up and it's a nice looking pantry got all this stuff in there he says Pete I want you to fill every single space you can with your vehicle with our pantry you take everything you take as much as you can well I knew he was just playing with me because I was in this little old neon car. You know, I was just a small little car. He says, and when your family comes, you fill up your Suburban too. And I just, I said, man, what a blessing. What a blessing. And we, we filled that thing up. And then we realized we had to fit the kids in it. So we had to like dig out little holes. I'm not lying. I mean, they're, they're going home like this, you know. It just, we filled that thing up to the, to the limit. And we're driving home separately. And on the way home, the Lord just laid on my heart, if you would just listen to me, if you just listen to me, I'll do things that you can't. I'll put you in places you'll never believe if you just listen. You see, I struggled that morning or that afternoon when I ate and I broke my fast because I didn't know if it was the Lord's voice. I struggled. But then when you start to see how he puts all those things together, it was the most frustrating day I ever had. And it ended up being such a beautiful thing. And we get home and we, we pour it out, man. We open up the living room and the whole living room was filled with 
toilet paper and food and meat. I mean, it was just so overwhelming. And I said, God, only you could do this. How did that happen? You hear his voice. You hear his voice. Today, I want to help you with three things that you can do to help you hear his voice. Because I'm not going to ask you to raise hands or show with a you know, show of hands. But if, you, if I asked you, do you really know God's voice? A lot of times we struggle with it. That's okay. Now, the great thing is he wants to speak to you. You must understand that he wants to speak to you. And so I'm going to give you three ways that you can help, help you hear his voice. First of all, the Bible. The Bible is the most powerful and direct communications that we have with him. It is simply God who reveals himself to us through the Bible. It's his point of view. I ask you to turn to 2 Timothy 3.16. I want you to just really look at these, these verses here. 3.16, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Take this verse as face value, at face value here, that if you will hold on to Scripture and allow His Word to breathe into you, because the Bible says it's God-breathed, it's life. It's not just reading pages on a book or listening to it with your headphones. It's not just participating in an act of reading, but it is God-breathing into you. He's breathing life into you. He's breathing encouragement and hope and faith. He's bringing fulfillment. He's breathing all these things in you. And the Bible says if, it, if you would let it shape you, if you would let it control, or not control, but conform you, if you would let it help you think, then everything you do, you'll be thoroughly equipped for. Every situation you face, you will be able to know what is the right decision and what is the wrong decision. Because the Bible says that we will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped. When I used to go in the lab, I used to have my own vehicle. And I would drive all over from North Dakota to Michigan. And I would just spend all my time in the car. My wife was with me one time. And she says, oh, I don't feel good. Pulled out some Tums. Man, I scratched myself, pulled out Band-Aids. Oh, I wish I could floss my teeth, pulled out floss. I had everything in that vehicle. I was thoroughly equipped for every situation you could face. And the Bible says that if you let his word breathe into you, if you let his word speak to you, you will be thoroughly equipped for every situation you face. Every situation you face. I didn't realize how important that was. I didn't realize how important scripture was. Now, I love the Bible. When I, when I got saved and I finally dedicated my life to the Lord when I was a senior in high school, and I, one of my graduation gifts was a concordance. I just wanted something to help me with the word of God. And what 18-year-old says, give me a concordance, you know? Give me every word in the Bible and where it appears. I just wanted to know God's word. But the argument was, you know, Pete, life is full of gray issues. Life is full of gray issues, you know, and, and, and the Bible doesn't teach us everything we need to know because life is full of all these gray issues. Do you know what gray is? Gray is simply white or black. That's it. Now, in, in the color scale, 
we use what's called the RGB, the red, green, blue color scale. If you print things like on magazines, they use the CMYK scale, the cyan, yellow, magenta, and black for K. But in TVs and things that you see on a computer screen, your phones, it's all by RGB. And there's certain number values. The highest value you can find is 255, and that's the color white. And the darkest value you can find is zero. Now, in the computer world, zero is the first digit. It's not just an absence of a number. So if you were going to count, it would be zero, one, two, three, four. So in the color scales, zero is black, 255 is white. That means there are 256 possibilities between black and white. Do you know what gray is? 128, right in the middle. And there are many different shades of gray. There's 254 shades of gray. Where if you go a little bit more, it'll be, it'll be 130, it'll be 200. If you go a little bit less, a little bit darker, it'll be 100. So why do I say that? Because I believe the Bible deals with the gray scales, the gray issues in life. Because if you, if you can't find the issue you're dealing with in the Bible, then go closer to the white. Go closer to the value that you know is right. Go closer to the issue that you know. And let me give you an example of this. You know, back in the day, a lot of, a lot of women struggled with these things called soap operas. Remember those things? Soap operas. My grandma was in love with soap operas. Had to watch General Hospital every time I came home. Wouldn't even say hi to me until General Hospital was over. Soap operas. And I would watch these things, and I realized that everybody loved everybody. Everybody cheated on everybody. Everybody hated everybody. I mean, it was just this big old mess of filth and all this. And, and I remember talking to this lady. She says, you can't condemn me. The Bible doesn't say anything about soap operas. It's a gray issue. But let's move back a little bit. What does the Bible say about integrity? What does the Bible say about purity? What does the Bible say about being careful what we watch, being careful what we say, about wisdom? You know, we hear things like one of the popular sayings that, that people used to say is, the Bible says that I have to love you. doesn't mean I have to like you. I mean, what kind of statement is that? I, I have to love you, but it don't mean I have to like you. Well, what does the Bible say about forgiveness? What does the Bible say about treating others better than yourself? Gray is simply just a way of saying, you know what, I don't want to deal with it. But the Bible deals with everything. And why am I talking about this? Because I want you to know that when you really want to hear God's voice, you're not always going to like what you hear. But it is always in your best interest. It is always so that he can bring you closer to him. You know, I didn't understand when I was growing up why my dad made me rake the yard. We lived in the ghetto. We were the only ones with a green yard. We were the only ones with a basketball hoop. And because of that, we were protected by our neighborhood. You know, treat the Ortegas good because we get to play basketball. And so we had this beautiful little house and the yard. I mean, it was like, you know, enough to fill the center aisle here. But every day, every Saturday, I had to wake up like at five in the morning and rake the yard. Kids would come by. Look at he's abused. His father wakes him up early on Saturdays, you know, and I'm just and he did this over and over again. And every time I would start to complain, he would say, son, one day you're going to have kids of your own and they will rake the yard for you. <laughs> no, no, he didn't say that. He said one day. 
I was hoping he would say that. He said, one day, you have a yard of your own, and you have to take care of it. I didn't like it at the time, but he was teaching me. He was breathing fatherhood into me. He was breathing responsibility into me. And that's what the Word of God does. So if you really want to know God's voice, if you struggle with hearing God's voice, the first thing you need to do is get into the Word, and He will speak to you. It's His point of view, and He will teach you what you need to know so that you will be thoroughly equipped in every situation. The second thing, how do we hear God's voice? How do we know His voice? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit provides insight and understanding to help us know Him better and to hear His voice speaking to us. Ephesians Look at Ephesians 1. It says this, I keep asking the Lord, and this is Paul in a prayer here, I keep asking God, the Lord of Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you will know him better. Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you will know him better. Paul was so concerned that he, they would have wisdom and, under, and revelation so that they would know the Father better. Paul prayed for wisdom and revelation. Back in 2019, I made a decision in February. I made a decision in 2019 that I was going to become a student of NASCAR. I've never watched racing I didn't understand why everyone liked the things that go around, and I never understood any of that. But I decided I was going to watch NASCAR. Now, if you know anything about me, I just couldn't watch it. I had to figure out why it's called stock car racing. I had to figure out why every car looked the same. I had to figure out, and I started diving into it. I started, man, these, you know, the tires that they make? They're like handmade. They got these little chip sensors in there. They're only given so many throughout the season. They only have so many engines that they get throughout the season. Everything is within spec. They got to get measured, all this stuff. It is amazing. And I started diving into, and for the first couple weeks, like three weeks, I was just into it. I mean, everything you said, every sermon I preached had something about NASCAR because I was so into it. <coughs> and then three months later, COVID hits season's done. I am not an expert in racing, but I know a lot about it. I'm not someone who can get inside of a car and go 200 and something miles an hour. I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm not an expert because I don't have a teacher. I don't have an instructor. I don't have someone helping me, but we have the Holy Spirit who teaches us the details of life, and he is always wanting to talk to us. He's always wanting to, to teach us. That's what Jesus said in John 16. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you into all truth. I want you to understand what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, listen, I'm leaving. I'm going back to heaven to be with my father, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he will guide you in all truth truth. He'll not speak of his own words. He'll speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And all that belongs to the Father's mind and that's why I say, said that the Spirit will receive from me what is make known to you. The Holy Spirit is here to guide us into all truth. And, and that's one of the things that we kind of shy away from in our Christian walk. Because, you know, how do you hear the Holy Spirit how do you know it's him? Well, 
The more time you spend in the word of God and the more he breathes his word into you, whenever you hear the Holy Spirit, this is just my personal experience. Whenever the Holy Spirit talks to me, the word that I've been reading comes to life. It's like, yes, that's right. That's right. And it just becomes alive. And that's why you can meet people, just different people. You can meet strangers and you meet them and you're like, man, something is different about them. What is it? It's the Holy Spirit inside them saying, hey, they are part of the family. They're part of the kingdom of God. So the Holy Spirit needs to, wants to communicate to you, but you need to listen and you need to hear. And finally, after you spend time in the word of God and let him breathe into you, and after you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you all truth, finally, the third way that you can better your hearing is through wise counsel. Wise counsel. Ephesians 4 says this, 4.11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The body of Christ is to be built up in unity so that we can reach maturity. We can reach a better place. The counsel that we have is each other. The counsel that we have is each other. And we are able to help each other, to give wisdom, to help us along. We are not created to be isolated. That's why, that's why everyone hated this whole lockdown stuff. Because we're not designed to be isolated. I mean, believe me, after the first couple of weeks, I really did enjoy being away from people. I mean, did I say that out loud? I mean, I really... But the thing is, though, that no matter how much we're excited, oh, we get to be by ourselves, there's something inside that says we just want to connect. We got to be with people. We got to see people. I mean, I started pouring out my heart to people at Walmart. They were the only ones I would see. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. You know what happened? My kids did it. And they're like, what are you doing, man? Just pay for your things and go. The thing is, we designed to be together. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 that where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Where there is strife, there is pride. And, and, and this is such a great verse. And honestly, my wife and I, we take this verse to heart. Where there is strife, there is pride. We have saved many arguments through this verse. Because when you disagree about something, when you fight about something, what keeps you from saying you're sorry? What keeps you from making things right? My wife is my best friend. My wife is the, the person I have the most fun with. I mean, we, we still get along like we're little kids, and we love those moments together. And, and, you know, we're always best friends, so close. But then there's moments where we don't always agree. And then I have to decide, am I going to let her pride separate us, or am I going to remind her of how humble she should be? Right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> We're in church. Let's speak some truth, brother. But it's that pride. I know she's my best friend. I know she was wrong. I know. And the Lord says, <clears throat> and I said, yes, Lord. Humility is so cool. It saves so many arguments. It really does. 
That's just a little tidbit. Because the second part of this verse says, wisdom is found in those who take advice. There are a lot of times that we think we're right. There's a lot of times that we think that we're okay, but we don't see beyond ourselves. That's the problem is that we don't see beyond ourselves. We don't see how prideful we can be. We don't see how right we can be. You know, in, in 2018, our first son was getting ready to graduate the next year. The school year is entering in 2008, going to graduate 2019. And my wife says, you know, Pete, we got we to gotta take his senior pictures. We have to take his senior pictures. And so I knew exactly what she meant. Pete, you got to take his senior pictures. Well, I'm not a photographer, but I had a decent camera. And I said, okay, I'll do this. I said, but if I'm going to do it, I got to do it right. And for months, I am not joking, for months, all I did was study photography. I studied exposure and aperture. I studied everything you can think of when it came to photography. I mean, I was, I was doing it as much as I could. I was just enveloped in it. It got to the point where my wife says, Pete, I miss you. Because if you know anything about me, when I'm into something, man, it's just full bore. I am into photography. And I started to do this, and I immersed myself for months. And I was proud. We went over to Pine Island, and we took some pictures there, and it was just a beautiful fall season. And, and I had this picture I was so proud of. I was so proud of. My wife looks at it. She says, oh, this is great. Kids look at it. This is great. Pete looks at it. Uh, you know, because he don't care. He's just, why am I doing this? I don't need a senior picture. And I was so proud of this picture. And, and uh, so I, I, I had it on my phone, you know, just in case someone wanted to see it. You know, I was so proud of it. And so I'm at the gym. Yes, I go to the gym once in a while. And I'm at the gym, and there's uh, one of my friends. So I said, hey, man, check this out. Check this out. Let, tell me what you think. And he looks at it, and within two seconds, he says, oh, I see this. And he tells me an observation that I didn't, never even noticed. And then after he said it, all I just began to see was what he said. And I thought, how dare this guy insult my skill set? I've studied this. I know photography. How dare you do that? I mean, I know Steve Seifert is a professional and he has his own photography thing. But Steve Seifert destroyed my world in two seconds. And my wife says, what did he say? And I said, I'm not telling you because that's all you're going to see. And I was so mad. But you know what? No matter how much we study, no matter how much we do these things, it's always so good to have counsel who sees beyond us. Because we're so blinded by our own world sometimes. We don't see what God really wants to deal with us or how we're going off the path. And there's just people that will speak life into you. Now I say this, surround yourself with wise counsel. Surround yourself with people that will speak truth into you. Because, you know, the Bible you know, tells us that you know, it's better to be insulted and hurt by friends because they love you. It's, it's better to, to hear the truth, even if it hurts. Surround yourself. But I also want to say, don't surround yourself by unwise counsel. Don't, don't, don't be around people that are negative and, and always trying to pull you down. You know, I don't like to be around people that are always speak bad about people. Because I know that as soon as I leave, they're going to speak bad about me. I like to be around people of faith. I like to be around people of hope. I like to be around people who have succeeded in their life. You know, mom and dad, you've, you've been so great. Mom and dad, Ashpole, they've been my mom and dad here in Minnesota. And you know what? I don't look at their life and say, ah, they don't know what they do. They don't know what's going on. I know how to be a good dad. I know how to be a good father. I look at them and I see, look what they did with their family. 
Look at how great their kids have turned out. And I say, I want to learn from them. And I said, how do you do it? And they mentioned a few things like, you know, love them, pray with them, whoop them. I mean, all those things, you know, paddle them. I mean, you know, just all those things that help. And I, I said, I want to learn from them. And I want to learn from my folks. And I want to learn from you who love God and who have wisdom, even experiences that I've never experienced. So I say, surround yourself with wise counsel, but also don't surround yourself with people that are going to pull you down. Don't surround yourself with people who are negative. You know, I, I just, I just, I can't stand that. I don't like negativity. I don't like when people complain because I'm, I'm an optimistic person. I mean, you guys see snow out there. I see moisture. I see, hey, my grass is going to be greener if it ever warms up, but I still see it, right? I'm always looking beyond. Let people speak into you because sometimes we don't see everything. Just like I thought I was a great photographer and I learned from my friend who's helped me so much more than that. So continue to get into his word. Let the Bible be the, the very thing that speaks into you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and listen. Just tune yourself in. Shut off the cell phone. Put it on do not disturb. Turn the TV off. Really concentrate and let the Holy Spirit speak. I, I've done this many times where I've gone to my closet and I said, okay, God, I just need to hear your voice. And you know what's happened? Sometimes nothing. Sometimes I sit there and I pray and I don't hear a thing, but I'll be back tomorrow and I'll keep trying because once in a while he'll speak to me and I know it's him. So just keep seeking him. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and then also surround yourself with good counsel. Surround yourself with people that... Hey, I want to be like that person. I want to be like that mom, that dad. I want to be like that, that spiritual leader. I want to be like them. And you'll begin to hear his voice, and you'll begin to respond. That's how we hear his voice. It's, it's pretty simple. It takes time. You may miss it once in a while, but God will always be wanting to speak to you. I'll close with this one last thought here. I was getting ready this morning, and my wife looked at me and says, Pete, you look sharp and terrible all at the same time. She says, I need to iron your shirt. And I said, okay. So I, I take off my shirt and, you know, and she does her thing and I get back and, hey, it's ironed. And, um, but I thought, oh, I'll just change in my daughter's room. And so Lily's room's there and I shut the door and kind of make my way and get to a clear spot and and I get my shirt on, and I, and I, you know, put my tie on, and I look in the mirror. And I didn't look at me. What I looked at was all these little post-it notes around the door. Where this little girl is trying to hear God's voice. And when she thinks she hears God, when I know she hears God, she writes, I am with you. Puts it on her mirror. I'm for you. Because she just wants to hear. Have that kind of heart, and I'll tell you, God will speak to you.